Are we recording? Is we are recording. Started? We are recording. Alright, so should I give some sort of introduction? Like, yeah? Okay, I'm gonna go. You are gonna Albert go. Lamb. This is Albert Lamb. Rage to the Burt. Burt it Burt. B squared. What's up, y'all? I don't know if I can top that. <laughs> My name is Drew Tan, and you're listening to Between the Gutters, where we talk about the stories within the panels. Still working on that. Yeah. Guys, it's no, got to stick at some point. It's not... Yeah, I don't think you're working on it. I, I think I've, you've I've, decided on it, and I've, now you're just... I've done work. Yeah, you've done work on it, and you're trying to... Now you just got to make it happen. Yeah. So I'm, I'm committed to it, man. Yeah. I'm committed to it. Yep. So today... <laughs> um, <laughs> today, we're taking a break from our Marvel Top 25 countdown, and... Uh, we're gonna do something different, you know. We're we're a show. We just we just love comics, and we want to talk about anything that has to do with comics and why we love comics so much. And today uh, we've got a special guest on our show, our friend Alexander Shanus. I hate comics. Uh, yeah. So this is gonna be an interesting uh, experiment to see if we can turn him around on the subject. Yeah. <laughs> so as you heard it from the horse's mouth himself. Yeah. He hates comics. He hates comics, but... I mean, comedians. I mean, I love comic books. <laughs> okay. about that. Okay. He hates funny people. Exactly. Yeah. So we've got to try really hard not to make any jokes today. Exactly. Albert, Humor or... is highly overrated. Yeah. <laughs> we... This make me feel bad because they can make the jokes I can't, you know, mm. so... Yeah, we got to be serious, man. No. Hey, stop smiling. Uh, stop I, smiling. I'm not even smiling in my heart, so... Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm glad we've established yeah. the cool established. Thanks, I feel better now. Thing, things established. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. So, so today, uh, the topic that we just wanted to discuss, and for all y'all listening, we invite you to, you know, think about this yourselves, and hey, maybe someday, uh, if you want, you can feel free to reach out to us. We're, we're able to be reached on, a, on via email. Our email address is betweenthegutterspodcast at gmail.com. So feel free to, to shoot us an email and, and let us know what you think or if you if you want to contribute to our conversation. You can also check us out on Twitter. We are at B-T-W-E-E-N-T-H-E-G-U-T-T-R-S. So we misspelled our name because Twitter didn't let us have enough letters, characters. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not, what's the word? Idiots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We know how to spell, I think. Anyway, yeah. we'll put that in the description to the to the podcast so you yeah. can check and it out. Just full disclosure, any hate mail, just forward it to me. I yeah. love reading that stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Shanus loves hate mail. He yes. gets stronger off your hate. Yeah, it's true. He feeds your, off it. Your hate makes him powerful. I'm, I'm like the Hulk, really. Yeah. I was going to say a catfish, but... Catfish like to eat hate. They're bottom feeders and they just... Oh, yeah, yeah. They just swim at the bottom of the... Oh, I'm talking about top shelf hate here. Then you're a high-end catfish. Oh, yeah. A classy catfish. Yeah, you got a top hat and a monocle. And yeah. The, and the tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our topic today is how did you become a lifelong fan of comics? Very simple topic, uh, but, you know, I think for anyone who's been a fan of, of anything, it's always fun to kind of retrace your steps and see how you got there and, and what brings you to, to where you are in, in life now, especially... Uh, being a comics podcast, we just want to chop it up about comics and, and how you got into comics. Mm. Yeah, and um, I think these are all experiences and stories that are sort of universal to all of us. So I, I imagine that it's fairly relatable and that you'll all be able to hear our stories and, you know, see a little bit of ourselves in you and vice versa, you know? Yeah. All right. We are every man. Well, I'm not every man. I mean, I'm like half a man at best. That's better than nothing. Half man, half every man. <laughs> <laughs> or half man, half every. Uh, uh, Good enough. <laughs> Good enough. As long as man is in the title, I guess. Yeah. So, so Albert, how did you first get into comics? Um. So, originally when we started discussing this topic, I think... <laughs> I think uh, a lot of what we were discussing was um, the the initial subject was what comics brought us to comics, and I really that I found that that was hard for me to describe because 
as a kid, I really didn't have a lot of access to comics. Um, I, you know, growing up in the eighties, uh, comic shops were kind of hard to access and not being able to, uh, traverse the streets by myself or whatever, uh, you know, it was hard to get access to them. So it was either, you know, I, I either had to just come upon comics by accident at like a garage sale or, um, you know, whatever local, local liquor store was there. No, seriously, man. The, the, the news racks. Back in the day when yeah. liquor stores and 7-Elevens used to sell comics. Yeah. Even Safeway had them too. Safeway had them, <clears throat> Lucky's. But, uh, yeah, I would come across them by accident, and um, a lot of the times I didn't even have the chance to uh, stop and, you know, spend the time I wanted to spend reading these comics. I, like, a lot of the times I, I was with my mom or with my dad, and we were on our way somewhere, and I'd look over at a, you know, at a liquor store and be like, oh, man, those are, like, pictures of guys punching each other. And, like, I was, like, super into that, but we were always on the way to somewhere else. Yeah. So... I never really got a chance to, you know, stay there for as long as I wanted checking out comics. But I think a big part of it, I mean, that was a big part of my awareness of comics as a thing, you know, yeah. that they even existed. And there, it was like, oh, these are picture books, except, you know, it's dudes with awesome costumes and powers and punching each other. Like, what, what more could I ask for? Um... I think also in terms of what helped me get a lot of exposure to comics was there were older boys in my life. That sounded really weird. <laughs> I liked what I was doing. Hey, you made it sound weird. Really, <laughs> you drew attention to they something were, that was pretty they innocuous. Were, <laughs> they were mysterious yet tender. <laughs> no, um, but, you know. They were <laughs> sounds like a good influence. <laughs> they were um. Did they? Did, did they, they really? Side did they you? really touch you? No, they did, did not. No, they, they didn't were, touch you at all. Uh, no, I'm not even at the soul. Not even on the soul. Not even on a spiritual or emotional level. Okay. They were just kids, like they were just neighborhood kids that I hung out with, and they had more freedom to you know walk the streets and whatever. Walk the streets. Okay. Yes. <laughs> So they're older boys. They were older street walking boys. All right. Yes. Uh, but they... <laughs> they just probably couldn't drive yet. I mean, it's understandable. <laughs> no, but they they were uh, excited about comics all the time. You know, so they... You know, when, when, when we all would get together, they would tell me these stories. And they would have, you know, more money to buy comics as well. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I remember there was this one... This teenager that uh, I would hang out with every once in a while. How old were you at this time? Uh, I was probably like eight or nine. Okay. Yeah. And he would t he was telling me about the Cosmic Spider-Man saga. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. that. And he was telling me about... Specifically, he was telling me the story. I forget which issue it is, but um, it's the issue where it's drawn by T-Mac, Todd to the McFarlane. And <laughs> <laughs> it was the story of... Uh, Cosmic Spider-Man fighting the Hulk because I specifically remember him telling me about how like Spider-Man developed these superpowers and he punched the Hulk into space and as a kid that blew my mind I was like I was like what you can punch a guy into space that's awesome <laughs> um just brings to mind like Capcom's MV you know Marvel's Capcom yeah yeah that yeah so really over the top violence yeah but, um, aside from that, uh, what else was there? The other thing that was a big influence on my life, or in, on, in terms of my attraction to comics, was, um, I didn't have access to buy actual comic books, but as a kid, the local liquor store always had Marvel Comics cards, and, mm, you know, yeah. I knew enough about comics, and even though I couldn't get comics, I, I could get these cards, so I would just buy these cards and I would read the synopses about each character and I would read about their famous battles just over and over and that yeah. was that was kind of my thing. Yeah, totally. I think I think a lot of people uh our age, you know, we're in our mid 30s, grew up in the late 80s and early 90s. A lot of a lot of kids our age or 
when we were growing up, collected those cards. I don't know if you ever oh, collected them, Shane. I collected them like crazy. Yeah. I, I did it like they were around. I think they really became popular in '93, and it carried on until like '97 or so, '98, and then yeah, tapered off. But it was exciting, especially if you open those like foil holographics cards. You're like, you you thought you won the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah and the thing that was cool about those cards is, is I was I was also as a kid I was really into basketball cards because I loved the NBA. And I was into the whole collectible card craze that was big at the time. <clears throat> so finding these Marvel cards that were basically like basketball cards because they had the picture in the front and then on the back, they had stats, you know, like they, they would tell you, like those early Marvel cards, I wasn't too big onto, I wasn't too big in, into the later series of the Marvel cards, but like season, series one and two, they had stats where, uh, like the series one told you like how many wins and losses they had in their Ugh. battles. Like I'm, it's all made up, but yeah, as a kid, yeah. I had no idea. Well, they also had like stuff like speed, intelligence, and yeah, and it like, had ratings for all their attributes. Right. You could see, oh, who's stronger, who's yeah. faster. But one of the more awkward things was I think it was the um, X Men subseries. I think in they did in ninety three, ninety four, mm-hmm. and they also had little diagrams where they had like a little like dot and um, oh, a like line, the, the a tree, line a graph, and yeah. they'd say this is where the power comes from. But sometimes they'd reference a power and they'd point around a part of the body that made no sense. She's just like, <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I don't remember that. I, I thought you were talking about the the line graphs that depicted their power levels. No, no, there, there were some. They had on the back side. They had like small pictures of what you saw on the front side, but they would like try to pinpoint to, like where the power originated from on the physical body oh, of this character. Oh, that sounds weird, man. Yeah, it's like. But as a kid, I thought that was cool. It's like, oh, so it's so it's like that's where the power is really coming from in, in their yeah, self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it made me think, like, what if they fought a villain that just hit them there? Yeah, <laughs> he's got telepathy, so I'm just gonna punch him in the head, give him a few concussions. Let's see if he can still be exactly. <laughs> Would he still even be alive? <laughs> <laughs> so I found the comic that I was talking about. Um, the it was Amazing Spider-Man three twenty eight. Nice. So that was the first comic that, as far as I can remember, that's the first comic that permeated my consciousness. Was, was I guess. that still Todd McFarlane at the time? Wasn't that? Isn't I, that I don't remember. Honestly, I forget. I'm pretty sure it sounds right. It's Todd McFarlane. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He also did. He also started off like the solo titled Spider Man, right? Yeah. Later on. Well, we can do an entire podcast about Todd McFarlane, but. No, I was just trying to make sure I, I had the right Todd McFarlane. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not um, trying to discourage you from talking about Todd McFarlane. No, I don't but... want to. I was just trying to make sure. That I... <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm the same T to the Mac. I just want to make sure we're the T to the Mac. Okay. Yes. So I'm also gonna talk about like the first two comics that I I ever owned. Yeah. Or, like just as a as a boy, the the comics that really stuck with me mm-hmm. and even to this day when i think about them they were probably bad comics but you know i i felt like at the time they were probably the best thing on earth because those were the only comics i had and yeah i'm sure you've had this experience you used to tell me about it all the time but there there's that one comic that you have and you just read it over and over till it was just oh totally you know till it was just shreds yeah when, yeah. when you're a kid and and you don't have access to <clears throat> tons of comics the ones that you do have you they're just highly valued, and, yeah. and not valued in the sense that you want to seal them up forever and hope they're worth yeah. something, but just valued in the sense that you love the experience of constantly reading and rereading and rereading again and again. Yep. To the point where these comics are so frayed. Yeah. The I remember uh, my first comic. I bought an issue. The first comic my parents ever bought for me was an issue of X Men Classic number sixty-two. So X Men Classic was. Uh, a reprint series of the Claremont era of X-Men, mm. Uncanny X-Men. And this particular issue was the issue where... It, it was a really weird story because uh, it's in the, you know, it was in the middle of a, an ongoing soap opera, but the main story was Wolverine, Storm, and Carol Danvers, and Nightcrawler enter or infiltrate the Pentagon, and they end up fighting Mystique. That's it. <laughs> it's a it's a weird premise, right? But the the cover was was awesome. I didn't know who these uh, characters and creators were at the time, but but uh, Mike Mignola drew the cover, 
Oh, and nice. and they f- they end up fighting a. I guess it was more Rogue that they they fought Rogue, not yeah. not necessarily really Mystique. Mystique was in there, but I think she was just. I think she was doing more of some espionage stuff, but the the actual like physical battle was with the X Men, uh, Carol Danvers and Rogue, and Carol Danvers didn't have her powers at this time. Rogue still had her powers. Yeah. And yeah, the cover was crazy because. Uh, if you look at the cover, Mike Mignola drew this image of, of Rogue just just channeling uh, Storm's lightning and just blasting everybody else, and yeah. everybody's looking messed up. And yeah, yeah, just the way he drew it really got me into 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 the comic. And yeah, I mean, it was a Claremont comic. I was a kid. It was the first comic I ever got. I was probably seven years old, but I reread that thing over and over to the point where the cover fell off. Yeah, and. That's something that always stuck with me, and even though I'm not really a Claremont fan, uh, now I, now I'm not a Claremont yeah. fan, but but at the <clears throat> time uh, I loved it. And a couple years ago, I, f- I found a copy of that X Men Classic number sixty two in a quarter bin. I ended up just buying it just for nostalgia. nostalgia. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Do you, do you remember anything about that actual comic in terms of like plot details or? Like well, there was that big fight. That was the main yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, there was some stuff about how Carol Danvers was still uh, basically she held a grudge against Rogue for stealing her powers and wouldn't you? Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Actually, I think I remember that they did something on that in the cartoons too. So <laughs> yeah. Although I thought she was in a coma after her powers were sucked away. Like it was yeah, just I guess this was, was after she, was she a woke up or something. This was after <laughs> she woke up. So. At some point, she woke up. Uh, I don't even remember why the X Men were were helping her. Mm. I guess they were just allies or friends or something. Yeah. And and Mystique and and Rogue went to the Pentagon to steal some information or something. And then, <laughs> funny thing is, is the way this issue ended. Uh, the next issue was the issue where the X Men fight Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> so the, I remember getting to the end of the comic, and it said like. There was some blurb at the end that said, next issue, enter Dracula. <laughs> as a kid, I was like, what? They're going to fight Dracula? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just FYI, um, we also have an Instagram account, so I'll, I'll try to take pictures of these and post them to the Instagram. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be fun. Let people you know, see what we're talking about. So you guys about. can have some sort of visuals. Uh, yeah. You know, so you can follow along. But speaking of, like, comics you wear out, like, this wasn't the first comic book I ever had, but it was after I discovered what comic books were, and I was like, hey, this could be exciting. Yeah. Um, it was, I think, sometime just after they came out with the X-Men second series, number one through three at the time, which was drawn by Jim Lee and written by Claremont, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the uh, reintroduction of Magneto as, as a terrorist. Yeah. And... You're a kid, and you see these covers, and you see, you see all these characters in these cool costumes, and it just looks like, like the world's breaking apart. I reread those comics endlessly for like a good year or two, to the point where I even brought them with me to school, and the covers fell out, and at some point I asked yep. my mom to actually sew them back on. Whoa, so, wow. So I keep reading them. Because it was just falling apart. She sewed them back on? She yeah, didn't that's impressive. staple them? She sewed them back together, yeah, because it was going to last better than staples. Wait, wow. were these trades, or were they... No, these are single issues. Single they, issues? I wow! Was it, it was, I think my parents got it from me when we were at Toys R Us, because during a period of time, they were um, selling packs of comics. Yeah. Yep. Like, preset things, like... Yep. X-Men 1 through 3 was a thing that Marvel did to try to draw, I think, readers into comics again. Yeah. And... They did it later on, many years later, when they, like, collected the Fatal Attractions lines and they could think some of the Extinction Agenda and some other, like, storyline type stuff. Yeah, it's basically the early version of a grab bag. Yeah. Yeah, yeah where they just got a bunch of comics they, from who knows made, where. They made bundles. Yeah, yeah. like, but 20 comics for $20 yeah. or... Well, that was a Costco, yeah. $20, it was 20 comics for, like, $8. But anyhow, so, like, these X-Men 1 through 3 were my second time seeing comic books. My first time was maybe a couple years before that or something like that, and... I didn't know what they were really. All I knew was I liked the pictures. I liked reading them. It was quick to read. And it was mm. just fun. And I was in uh, elementary school, so I didn't know any better. I was like, this this looks like it could be fun and yeah. cool. Yeah. Now I know better. Yeah. yeah. But 
Yeah. Well, you know, we've grown and we've developed our tastes. When, when I was a kid, I liked to eat paste. That's true. I never ate paste. So. I still sort of like <laughs> to eat paste. <laughs> some of us grow out of it. Some of us don't. Yeah. Well, it's always going to be my first love. Paste eating. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, as a kid, uh, one of the early, as as far as I can remember, the earliest comic that I ever got was Amazing Spider-Man 316. Now, I got this from a friend of mine, and it was one of those schoolyard trades, or not even a trade, but I think he was a big fan of comics, and, you know, because he took mercy on me and <laughs> I didn't have access to comics, he gave it to me, and it was a pretty crazy comic because on the cover... This is a this is a Spider-Man comic drawn by Todd McFarlane, and on the cover it's just Spider-Man just all messed up in this debris, and Venom is just standing over him, just like his teeth are glaring, and he's just menacing, right? Yeah. So as a kid, the idea that someone could kill Spider-Man was frightening. I, I don't. It was compelling i guess i don't know if it was frightening but it was like oh man how does how did he kill spider-man i had to know <laughs> and um i don't i i actually ended up reading this a few years back um but and even now i kind of forget what it was or what it's about but uh the thing that stuck out to me when i was a kid and on my reread a few years back was there's this one battle that venom and spider-man have where they're in a meatpacking plant. Oh, I remember that issue. Yeah. I had that comic when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, no, I remember two things now. <laughs> um, oh, man. Two, not three. Two. Okay. Two. But what I remember was, okay, so there was that battle in the meatpacking plant where it it's really it's really kind of 80s because, like, they're, they're like, you know, this is our final showdown, and he's, yeah. like, throwing slabs of meat at him. They're, all, they're like, <laughs> trying to hit him with, like, big chunks of, like, just pork corpses <laughs> and venom's just like ripping it apart yep and uh and then at one point he just like dumps this whole vat of just like viscera on spider-man yep. and spider-man's just like Aah! he freaks out he yeah. gets super freaked out yeah <laughs> but that that was uh that really stuck out in my imagination i was just like oh man they're fighting in a meat plant he made spider-man panic i've yeah. never seen him panic before <laughs> the other thing that i remembered uh, which which stuck to me for a long time was there was this scene where Venom, where I guess Black Cat comes home or she, mm. it's it's this scene where she's, I guess at this point in the story, Black Cat has had an on-again and off-again relationship with Spider-Man and she comes back into his life and she's trying to get back with him and she ends up going to like his old apartment where he used to live and she doesn't know that he's like married to Mary Jane I think at this yeah, point. Yeah. And Venom shows up and he just like messes her up and just as a kid I was like, "Oh my gosh, she he, like he like just threw her around like a rag doll." Yeah. It was a uh, that was shocking to me. Yeah, I, I would yeah. say the same when I was a kid. I I didn't really expect to see that level of violence. Yeah. Uh, you know, against you know, Venom's this big hulking, yeah, 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 yeah. kind of monster. He's a meathead. Yeah, he's yeah. a meathead with a an alien symbiote powering his strength, and he's beating up a woman. Yeah, like he really beat her up, broke her nose, and yeah, just trashed her. It was uh, as a kid, that yeah, like that. Up to this point, like you, I'm I'm accustomed to seeing like dudes punch each other. Yeah. But it never occurred to me that someone would do anything so evil. Yeah. So reading that, that was pretty shocking. I've never read that comic book, so I, I that's why I have no, no clue. It's cool. I'm just trying to visualize it, me packing. <laughs> <laughs> you ever watch Miles. No Holds Bar, starring uh, the Hulk and no. what was his name, Zeus? <laughs> nope. Just when you said meat pack, it made me think of like I'm sure all you've both seen the Rocky movies, but like Rocky Balboa would would train at his uh, brother-in-law's like meat packing company, punching yeah. cow corpses. Yeah, or cow carcasses. That was basically where they were fighting. So I was like, okay, yeah. it was very eighties. It, it was like definitely we're gonna fight in a yeah. factory, <clears throat> or we're gonna fight in like this eighties music video with <laughs> just sparks everywhere. This this factory that does nothing but make sparks apparently. <laughs> What do you make here? I don't know. Sparks. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's a good background setting for a fight. So here's here's another question. Uh, what were... I mean, we already talked a little bit about some of the com the first comics that we ever owned or the first comics that we read, but what were some of the comics that basically cemented your love for the medium? And I ask that because a lot of times uh, kids read comics at some point, right? But because I'd say for me, like a lot of the friends that I had growing up, most of them read comic books when we were in elementary school. But not too many of them really stuck with it to the point where it became a common interest or a hobby. And, you know, precious few of them, I'm sure, read comics as adults now. So what were some of the things that basically cemented comics as something that you really cared about? The way that, you know, some people watch TV and get hooked on shows or, or mm -hmm. film, movies and music, stuff like that. For me, it's a bit weirder because... Those X-Men 1, 3 comics is what cemented me when I was younger. Mm -hmm. The problem, which is what Albert was saying earlier, is that access to comic books was very limited because as a kid with no money, you couldn't just go and buy a comic book you wanted to. Even though the cover price was maybe $1.25 or $1.50. Yeah. Like, it was like, your parents like, no. Okay. Yeah. But you'd go to, like, a local comic book shop or you'd go somewhere where they had them and you just stare at them thinking, I would like to read this. And then at some point, like, thinking, oh, well, there are these other random really cool stories. I think... One time I went to Comics in Decline, which was still on Norega back story. in the day. Yep. Mm. And I was just kind of curious as to what was going on in the comic book world. Because at that point, Superman was dead or dying. Mm -hmm. That was like the advertised big event. And then I started being curious about what else had been going on. And then you had the storyline from the late 80s or early 90s. I think those were the X-Men versus Fantastic Four were... Fantastic Four were allied with Doctor Doom because they thought the X-Men were evil. Yeah. And there are all these different things I was just curious to check out, but, like, at the time, comic pricing was really bizarre. So you'd go in there like, hey, how much would this comic cost? And they're like, oh, it's back issues, and it's, like, $10. You're like, oh, yeah, no. I yeah. can barely afford a dollar <laughs> yeah. comic book. I, there's no way my parents are going to buy me a $10 yeah. issue. In all and, fairness, it's still kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. But, so I loved comic books. I loved the idea that I could try reading them, but... I couldn't because I never got permission to buy too many of them. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. But when they finally did those those little cool packs, the Costco Price Club was when you got yeah. like it was DC Comics. So it was a bundle of twenty for eight dollars, and that was like they started that just after I think Superman seventy five when Superman had just died fighting Doomsday. Yeah, and I was like, I was my mind was blown. Twenty comics for eight dollars. My parents had no problem buying that, <laughs> <laughs> and. Were these just random comics, or were they comics that uh, uh, were consecutive issues that formed a story? They were consecutive issues with respect to the monthly release of those bundles, or the, um, I guess, bi-monthly. So, at the time, was also the Nightfall storyline for Batman. Mm -hmm. So, I got comic books that were for that storyline. So, I got, like, the Showcase 93, uh, Batman Detective Comics, Action Comics, Superman Adventure Comics, um... And some other random DC stuff. Uh, I think they had even had some Justice League stuff in there. Mm -hmm. And it was a great exposure to comic books, including Flash. Actually, that's my first, the first time I read Flash story was that particular time was also the Return of Barry Allen storyline. Oh. That's where I got that storyline initially. Nice. nice. And nice. so I didn't realize what a gem I had back then. And when I say gem, I don't mean like value gem, I mean like the gem of like. For what was it's going on at time, it was a quality yeah. storyline. That's yeah. one of the best Flash stories of all time. Yeah. And so, for a period of time, I got really good exposure to comic books, and I was like just having a blast. And then they stopped doing those packs. Yeah. And mm. it came back to like, well, I'm not gonna just buy single issues. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. So, do you remember uh, maybe how old, approximately how old you were when they stopped doing that? So let's see. So '93 was when Superman fought and died. Like the 1993. So I was already nine years old. So I think I was, I want to say nine years old, maybe. It was like, it was like definitely just before my, before, just before, just during my last year of elementary school. So I think nine years old makes sense. Mm -hmm. So af after, ten? Hmm. after they stopped doing that, um, were you just rereading the old comics that you did have or? 
yeah, that's pretty much all I had access to was to read the stuff I already had. Mm-hmm. Which is still fine because <coughs> those are things I enjoyed. Yeah. So I had, if that was my library, then I was going to make the most use of it. Um, but it was at the same time, like, that's going to lead into, like, maybe, like, those shit, like, what eventually took me away from reading more comics is that because I couldn't get access to them at some point. Yeah. I can only reread the same story enough times, especially yeah. when it's part of some arc. You're like, yeah. All right, I don't know how this ends. I've got part six of a 13-part story, and yeah. that's all I've got. <laughs> and you're just like, okay, I guess that's all, I, that's all I'm going to read. And at some point, you're like, all right, yeah. I'm going to look for other things that I can enjoy. As a kid, it didn't occur to me until I was a little older that... <laughs> it's it's weird trying to get into comics as a kid, and when I think about it, it's almost like, how did I... How is this even possible? Because the way... Again, like uh, Shanus was saying, like... I didn't realize, so, at the when I first started getting into comics, I didn't realize that there was arcs. I didn't realize that, oh, if I put these all together, they make one story. I just was like, <laughs> oh, all right, I'm done reading this. I don't know how it ends, but I'm just assuming this is how it ends. And it, By my comic books combined. Yeah, they're all just cliffhangers. <laughs> even, if, even if it said to be continued, you just assumed that that was how it yeah, ended. Yeah, I didn't think I didn't think that far ahead. I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I guess they never find out who did it. Man, you, you, know? were, you were an easygoing kid. I was. We were all kids. Like, did any of us think that far ahead? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, whatever. Yeah. So. So yeah, it wasn't until I was older that I was like, oh, if you put these together, they actually tell a whole story. <laughs> you know. And again, I would I was like Shanus in that I would go to these comic book stores and you know I'd try to find a full run of something and everything would be priced ridiculously. So again, there just there's the obstacle of uh, figuring out what all the different pieces of a specific story are, and then there's the obstacle of actually buying it. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. So a big part of um, what got me. Or at least kept me in comics was my local library, too. Mm, it yeah. was going to that, and um, at the time, comics in the library, they were, they were, they existed, but it's not like it was super prominent either. Like, there was, I, I think they were still kind of in their formative phase where they were trying to decipher whether comics was actual actual literature or whether <laughs> yeah. this was uh, frivolity or whatever. But, you know, I, I would, again, I would just read whatever I could, so it didn't even matter. And I remember one day I went to the library and I was, um, I had like a, an hour to kill, so I, I ended up just grabbing something off the racks and lo and behold, it was... Doom Patrol, the first arc by Grant Morrison. Wow. Yeah. How old were you? I, I was probably, I, I want to say like 15 or 16. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm still like flabbergasted because I cannot remember for life me as a kid going to the library and seeing comic books available on any kind of rack. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they used to have uh, trade paperbacks when yeah. we were in high school. Yeah. But See, I didn't know about trade paperbacks or the idea of graphic novels until much later in my life. Oh, okay. So... I was like, we're listening. I, I just, I never saw comic books. I never think of going to the library to go get comic books. Mm, now, yeah. now I know they exist, but now I'm an adult and I got some money and I can buy, buy my it. own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess, so uh, was there a period for all of us where we all co- kind of walked away from comics? Yeah. I think that's always the kind of that pivotal moment, right? For anyone who grew up reading comics because so many kids from our generation read comics at some point, but yeah. how many of them just got lost interest or walked away from the hobby? And and that I was kind of close to just losing interest in comics at some point. Being a child of the '90s, uh, you know, once you first really get into comics, you really get into them, right? Like what, like I just talked about my f- my first comic, which was that X Men classic, but my second comic was. Silver Surfer, number 54, yeah. which was a tie-in to the Infinity Gauntlet. So that, that summer I got into comics was right at the peak of the Infinity Gauntlet uh, event. <laughs> Funny thing is, Silver Surfer, number 54, is it's a pretty ridiculous storyline. The, <laughs> cover, the cover has the Silver Surfer fighting the rhino <laughs> in a zoo. <laughs> as, as, as a minor segue, in the 90s, weren't most of the stories they wrote just pretty ridiculous? I think 
the ones that we had access to were pretty ridiculous. Yeah. But I think in retrospect, as I've kind of gone back and really looked more closely at that era, there are a lot of comics that are more sophisticated, that are more mature, but at the time, I just wasn't aware of them. They were off my radar. I guess yeah. I meant more like the, the the mainstream superhero comics. Like, when I think of the X-Men or what was happening in, like, yeah. Batman Superman, I felt a lot of things they were just doing just felt like they want to, like, make the next thing, like, bigger and better to draw in your crowd, but at some point, yeah. you just felt like, yeah. this is, yeah, at some point, you're like, this is a little ridiculous. Exactly, yeah. and, and that's basically what kind of drove me yeah. away from comics for a yeah. time, because... Like you said, uh, the, the different events that they were doing, uh, Nightfall, the death of Superman, uh, <clears throat> and then over at Marvel, they had things like the Age of Apocalypse. Onslaught. Uh, ons- the Onslaught saga, uh, the Clone saga in Spider-Man. Yeah. Maximum Carnage. Maximum Carnage. <laughs> Sorry. And yeah, it's like some of those things I might have enjoyed. I did enjoy <clears throat> some of those things when I was a kid, but by the time that... Uh, Age of Apocalypse came out and they were doing the clone saga in Spider-Man that's what broke my back because because unlike you guys I, I was already aware that I needed to buy different comics in order to follow the storyline like you know when it says to be continued I wanted to find out where it continued Yeah. and when they were doing these Stupid crossovers <laughs> yeah they were doing these crossovers like uh, Age of Apocalypse and Clone Saga where you had to buy an issue of Amazing Spider-Man, and then it was to be continued in Web of Spider-Man, and yeah. then that was to be continued in Spectacular Spider-Man, and then that was to be continued yeah. in Spider-Man. Spider-Man. It's like, man, I'm only a kid. I can't buy all that stuff. Yeah. Right. So it was just way easier to stop buying it. Yeah. And but not on top of that, I don't. I didn't even like those stories. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's weird because today it feels like a lot of people look back on those stories and have nostalgia. I mean, Marvel's published omnibus collections of clone saga and age of apocalypse and i can't read those now man yeah like those were what drove me away from comics because i thought those stories were so bad i didn't even care to read them and i didn't want to spend money to read them yeah. so i never read them as much as a kid but i did read some maximum part stuff for example maybe 10 years ago yeah so this is already when i was in college and it, i even said dude i don't understand how anybody could enjoy these because it felt like every issue that was said to be continued felt like they just kept on rehashing the exact same battle yeah yeah the exact same conclusion which was it just felt like so pointless like they're just like squeezing out like i forgot how long the run was like 24 issues for uh, the whole i want to say maximum carnage was only maybe 14 or 16 it was supposed to be but, like a year's worth of stories but or something it, like that. it's like not everything like... up until the very end was just them like what's well, for the bad guy oh don't kill them because we're the good guys now they got away let's rinse repeat in the next issue yeah, yeah. and no, you're right. Like, I didn't think about it as a kid because at that point I had already stopped reading comic books. Yeah. But, yeah, how do you tell your parents, like, oh, can I also get that one next month because... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, it's crazy. I remember going to comic book stores as a kid around that age and, you know, I would spend a pretty lengthy amount of time there and and eventually I would end up just picking, like, one comic and, and my dad would buy that for me. But it wasn't like I was just grabbing everything that... I, that looked appealing i was trying to get the most value yeah, for yeah, yeah. like whatever i thought was going to be the best comic that i could walk out with that day right and after uh age of apocalypse and clone saga i was like man i don't even care about <clears throat> spider-man and the x-men anymore uh so i'm not gonna buy a bunch of comics that aren't even telling me complete stories that yeah instead they're telling me to buy more comics and even as a kid i, I just didn't like that at all and basically made me stop buying comics as a whole, like the only thing that kept me going back into the comic book stores was uh, my interest in, in anime and, and manga at the time. Yeah. That's what kept me at least going into a comic yeah. store, even though I wasn't buying any Marvel or, or DC or Image or Dark Horse or American stuff. I think it's really interesting that there's a certain... I think everyone comes to that point in, a, in their age where it's almost a proving ground where... It's like, am I going to stay committed to comics or not? Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with just developing and maturing and, like, developing a sense of good taste, essentially. Yeah. Right? So when you're a kid, like, oh, it's the Silver Surfer fighting the Rhino, or it's 
amazing it's spider-man and venom fighting in a meat plant and not you know you don't really think about it you're just happy to consume it yeah but you know as you get older and you get an idea of what you like and what you don't like and you start trying to read these with a more analytical eye yeah you yeah that stuff just drives you away and again like the the business aspect of um on the marvel side just how they carried themselves and how they were um selling comics didn't make it easy yeah you know well you also can mind competing interest too right at that time yeah we had just gotten the batman animated series yeah there are a bunch of cartoons that would keep your attention so yeah. for me personally it's uh, it became an issue of like do i need to go and buy comic books when i can watch batman on tv yeah then there was power rangers yeah. then there was magic the gathering and then these other things going on that at that time was like hey this feels more fun i don't have to there's no sense of continuity to keep on buying for i could buy the things i wanted yeah. to yeah and there's there's fun i could have with my friends and play play a, a collectible card game where i'm making my own story so to speak i don't need to yeah. worry about like tracking down like issue number 35 of man of steel that case <laughs> from, from adventure of adventures of superman yeah and so you end up choosing as a kid, like my parents are gonna buy me everything, so I have to pick and choose. Yeah, yeah. What do I want? And so I chose, and the, and the choice ended up being not comic yeah. books for that period of time. Yeah, exactly. So for me, it wasn't the same that my tastes were maturing. It's just that I had abandoned comic books because I found them so inaccessible that I was like, okay, I'm yeah. gonna find other things that I do find more accessible. Comics, as much as I love them, it's not a convenient hobby. <laughs> yeah, it's not. And the crazy thing is, is when we were kids, that mm. was kind of when comics was at its peak. Yeah. In terms of its mass popularity, there were tons of comic book stores. Yeah. Uh, everywhere, and and then the market went bust. That really hurt the industry. You know, you, Shanice, you mentioned X Men number one by Jim Lee and Claremont uh, earlier, and that's st- to my knowledge, that's still the highest selling comic book of all time. It had like what? Some a hundred thousand? No, I think it sold seven or eight million. Okay. Ooh. So, I mean, granted, a lot of that was because they published five covers yeah, <laughs> right. okay. and people were buying everything and and nowadays you you can go to any store and oh, you'll find like boxes full they of actually those. Did more than five covers did they they made some rare like platinum versions for, oh like, i didn't even know about that but that was, that was that was the early mid 90s right it was like yeah let's make x-men, holographics. Number, x-men number one was early 90s yeah, yeah it was 91 92 yeah it's just a yeah the business of comics is what killed a yep. lot of it for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. once the industry went bust, uh, because of a, a bunch of different factors, but I think you can say a lot of it was probably due to the things that Marvel uh, and DC did uh, behind the scenes. A lot of comic shops ended up going out of business, and and it's it got hard to find comics. I yeah. mean, we were fortunate that we lived in San Francisco and, and had libraries that actually got comic books uh it was still the time of, of bookstores so yeah. when i was in high school I, I would go to borders or or walden books or barnes and noble or stores like that and crown and just books crown books, <laughs> crown books man. dude i miss crown books shout yeah. out to crown books and dalton books was and b dalton. b dalton yeah yep shout out to all those those like bookstores. my escapes when my parents would want to go to the mall to go shopping for clothes oh, holy so i awesome. always went there like, 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 just keep me let I'm me gonna, stay here for hours i'm gonna <laughs> sit in the bookstore and read books yep. and they're like yep. okay Yep, I love bookstores, man. Was well, it that or KB Toys and Toys R Us? I'm just like, let me be around the toys and the books because I'm a boy. Yeah, <laughs> but the books will occupy you for a lot longer. Like, well, <laughs> well me personally, I you don't could know play you. video games at Toys R Us. Oh, so true. Good point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, going to bookstores, man. They that was right around the time when they started making more trade paperbacks, so we could get collections of entire yeah. storylines to read, and that was something that I really valued and treasured. And even though I still wasn't necessarily paying money to to support the yeah. hobby, you know I was still a kid, so I would yeah. I was going and just sitting down and, and reading comics. Man, there's gonna be a sad thought. Like, what do kids nowadays do when their parents drag them to the mall? Like, like book physical bookstores are pretty much non-existent other than Barnes and Nobles. Yeah, you don't really see Toys R Us all over the place. Yeah, so I feel like sad for kids, just like just being dragged. They're just like. I guess they just chill at the food court and play yeah. on their iPad or something. That's <laughs> yeah. now they have their own. It's like bring your own toy with you. Yeah, yeah. they've got okay. iPads and tablets and all, right, I don't feel as bad for all that now. stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying little. Here's a question. Quirps. So, corpse, <laughs> corpse, corpses. I said torts, and I was like, "What's a tort?" <laughs> Maybe I'll make a new word. 
Here's a question for you guys. What, yeah. uh... So, assuming that we all had a moment in our life where we just kind of stepped away from comics momentarily, was there... What comic or experience brought you back or, you know, like, as as an adult or as a teen, like, what, what mm-hmm. comic stood out to you or that you read at the time um, that really made you decide, oh, I'm going to come back to this because there's actually more here than I had missed or there's more that I want to discover in this medium. Shanice, do you have anything? You know, honestly, I got back into comic books when I was an undergraduate at UC Davis. Okay. And I forget if it was after I met you or because I was talking to my friend Gibson who was really into comic books. Yeah. And they had just, Marvel had just started renumbering some of their titles. And I think they were trying to go back to some numbering. Yeah. And uh, I forget if it was uh, if it was around the time when Fantastic Four 500 came out. When they did that 10 cent, or the 9 cent issue. The 9 cent, oh, yeah, nine cent issue. And then they were doing these director's cut version of Fantastic Four number 500. And I was just told, like, this could be a fun story. But I forget exact, I don't, I forget the exact chronology of, like, when that came out because all I know is that at some point I said that I'll check out the local comic book store because it was also where they sold Magic the Gathering, which was, which at the time I was also kind of playing. Yeah. And so it wasn't a particular comic book, it was more like the experience of, like, me, rem- me remembering the fact that I liked comic books. Mm. And being that I have a collector type of addiction to things, I was like, okay, let me revisit this. Yeah. And um, I ended up buying a lot of comic books during that period of time but I tempered it with the idea like maybe I could buy good storylines so I, I didn't know much about comic books at that point yeah mm-hmm. all I knew was like I want to read something good yeah and so uh, enter Drew we uh, were living in the, the same dorm for a while so eventually like we met up again and he's like yeah, yeah. UC Davis Aggies baby <laughs> it was alright <laughs> <laughs> and uh Shanice is a hard man to please yes man <laughs> that's not true but, um, so anyhow, we ended up hanging out a lot. We had our uh, weekly Wednesday ritual. Because <laughs> new, new comics always released on Wednesdays. Yeah. We would always go to the store. No, I, and I coined that, not out of pride, but if you're curious, like, why I call it ritual, it's, I chose it because I wanted the literative factor, even though I know it sounds really stupid. It's okay. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry. Took me a second to figure out what you were talking about. Oh, I, he, I, he doesn't have a lisp. He, yeah. he actually said <laughs> weekly Wednesday ritual. Exactly. Yeah. I that's really like, thought that he was just that's yeah. just a mispronunciation. I was no, no judgment. I, I, I <laughs> mispronounced certain words, but that would be that one <laughs> out of by accident. Yeah, but it ended up being like it was nice to have somebody who'd be like, "Hey, you know, check this out." Like, so I did buy some crappy stuff on occasion because I was like hopeful that somebody could be like, "I think I yeah, I picked up something." Extreme X-Men by Claremont. Yeah. Especially after X2 came out. And I was thinking, like, yeah, Claremont, he wrote the original God Man Loves Kills, which influenced, you know, the basis of X2. And then I quickly regretted it after buying into it for a few issues. And I was yeah. like, this is silly. There were a lot yeah. of things that we did when we were kids. But, you know, we were kids at that point. We were like, we knew better. Or at least I should have known better. We should have known better. But Wait. compared to how we were... In college, to the way we are now, we were kids well, back then. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Which I was gonna to say. To be fair, though, you advised me not to get it. You said it's. I know. I, I told you to not buy and a lot of stuff. Like when he did New Excalibur, yeah. I was like, "This is crap, Shane. Is why are you buying that?" Yeah. And you're like, "No, I think it'll get better." And it'll you turn around. Yeah. <laughs> I read the first issue. And I was like, "Oh my god!" And it was just. I was like, "Yeah." And I hung my head in shame. But you still bought the next couple issues. I bought the next second. I bought the second issue only, thinking, "No, maybe you're wrong. Maybe this is. Maybe it's." Not Magneto's <laughs> real body. I'm like, wait. And I was like, no, you're right. Shanus was optimistic. Now, now I'm just bitter and cold about yeah. life. <laughs> <laughs> it was Excalibur that sliced my heart apart. Christopher Claremont. Oh man, what Christopher Sebastopol Claremont. Which we can I can now mention because apparently uh, Albert here in the first podcast broke the uh, no Claremont policy. We have a no Claremont policy. Wow, I don't even remember that. Oh. That's crazy. Okay. <laughs> There's some hubba to do about do not talk about Claremont. <laughs> and so... Well, there we go. I guess we didn't have a reason to talk about Claremont when we were talking about... Yeah, I think I was just trying to stay on message at yeah. the time. <laughs> but you didn't talk about Claremont. Yeah. So. What about you, Drew? Was there anything... Uh... Yeah, so like, like I was saying earlier, when I, when I ended up... Uh, 
losing interest in Marvel and DC comics, superhero comics, basically. Uh, the thing that still kept me visiting comic book stores was my, in my burgeoning interest in anime and manga. So this was like the mid-late 90s. I was, I was in late middle school or early high school. And I'd still visit comic book shops just to kind of look at what manga was out there. Like Blade of the Immortal yeah. was out there. Uh, but the thing that I ended up actually saving some of my allowance for in, in order to buy was they did these trade paperback collections of of uh, this manga called Bio Booster Giver. Oh, you remember okay. that? Yeah. <laughs> it it was <laughs> it's this manga that's about this teenager who who basically comes across this alien technology that gives him this cybernetic or alien suit of armor that lets him shoot lasers and then there's this worldwide conspiracy yeah. about people who are trying to track down this technology. Uh but yeah, it was, it was just something that that kind of drew me in and and it reminded me of a superhero book because it was a kid who a teenager yeah, who had powers. powers. Yeah. Exactly. And he was dealing with a lot of a lot of evil adults basically. And they even made uh they made an American. They made, they made an yeah an B movie for <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> starring Mark Hamill by the way exactly I, I was about to bring that up that like it, it had some penetration you now my attention yeah you should look it up man the yeah. Giver I, the I remember seeing yeah. that you know what I I didn't have uh well okay two things one the library did have those comics so I remember seeing mm -hmm. those at the library but my first exposure to Giver as just a concept was uh the actual american b yeah. movie and the thing was here's the thing so at the time the only superhero movies that we had were batman and superman and like we don't have them like every other week the way we do now <laughs> yeah so as a kid when i or as a teenager at this point when i saw that in um the store or at the video store i was like oh shoot this looks really cool he's He's a robot, basically. Yeah. So I, I rented that and I watched it. And uh, again, like maybe my my tastes hadn't developed quite to what they are now, but I loved it at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and Mark Hamill was in it, so how yeah. can you truly hate it? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Mark Hamill is just a national treasure. He is. So Guyver kept you going into comics, or at least into comic book stores. Yeah. And the the sad thing is is. So Viz was publishing it at the time, and then I think the guy who was creating it, he took a hiatus from, from the series, so I never actually got to see how it ended, and, and at that point, um, I didn't really go to the comic shops as much anymore, but because bookstores were still around, and, and I, I lived close to a couple of bookstores, and, and my high school was close to a couple of bookstores, it was really easy for me just to walk to a bookstore on my way home or on a weekend, and just sit at Borders or... Super Crown or Walden Books, yeah. rest in power, and just <laughs> just read read trade paperbacks and and I would that's where I read stuff like uh, Mark Wade's Flash, uh, Grant Morrison's JLA, stuff like that that still kept up my interest in comics even though at the time it was a few years old. Yeah, it was it was a uh, or a few months old at least. It, it it made me feel drawn to superheroes again, and, and yeah. then I got. Back into reading Batman trade paperbacks. I yeah. think No Man's Land was around that time. and So I was still reading comics. And, and then the library had a bunch of classics like Watchmen yeah. and The Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One. So I discovered all those when I was in high school. So I was still, I was still reading a lot of stuff during the summers and, and winter breaks. But I just wasn't spending money on comics. I wasn't buying them. I wasn't owning them. I would have to go somewhere to get my fix. Yeah. Support your local library kids. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm still glad that I'm so glad we still have our libraries, man. Yeah. Thank God you're tax paying adults. <laughs> yeah. Hey, say that like say what you will about taxes, but yeah. at least we have libraries. I still use the library to read yeah. comics even to, to this day. But uh, when when I got to college though, <laughs> this is gonna sound really embarrassing, but <laughs> the thing that got me back going to comic book stores on a regular basis was Dreamwave's Transformers comics. I see. Yeah, we were already hanging out at that point when you started. We were hanging out because uh, Shanice and I we we both lived in the same dorms freshman year at at UC Davis, and I think the first at the time. Uh, there was a big, like, this was early 2000s, like, around 2001, 2002, and at the time, there was a big uh, 
uh, trend of doing these 80s themed nostalgia comics. comics. Yeah. Wow, we were in sync there. <laughs> that was this was after our first year. We because at that point we were already living in apartments. We were no longer freshmen at college. Yeah, but I was just saying that the first Transformers by Dreamwave comics started coming out when we were freshmen. Oh, it did. Okay. Yeah, it might have come out like right at the tail end of freshman year because I remember I specifically remember going to the store because I was like I heard that these Transformers comics were coming back. I was always a big Transformers fan, and I heard that there was a new comic, so I was. I, I made it a point to go to the store when the comic came out just so I could make sure I could get a couple copies of it because they did different covers and I was an idiot. <laughs> no, so I think that was not for sure because I, I went with you and I picked up, they only made two covers mm-hmm. and I picked up both co- I picked up both covers as well. Yeah. Because other times I was like, oh, I'll get into comic books and maybe it'll be collectible as well. Yeah. So it was those Transformers comics that got me going and... The store that we went to in, in Davis at the time, they, they would have these bundles of comics. So they would collect, you know, chunks of 10 or 12 or more consecutive issues of a series. So you'd get a relatively complete storyline. And they would package those and actually sell them at a discount, which made it a value. Yeah. Especially being a college student, I still didn't... It wasn't like I had a whole ton of money, but I would try to get bang for my buck. It's how I picked up Watchmen, actually. Yeah. Yeah. They had all 12 issues. I think it was like $6 or something like that. Oh, that's awesome. And you awesome. got a steal. Seriously. Well, six you dollars, got a steal. It was somewhere between 6 or $12. All I know was that it was fine. Yeah. And that, <clears throat> I mean, that's clearly appreciated in value since. So yeah. you got you got a steal on that one, man. But yeah, it was, it was those Transformers comics that ended up uh, drawing me back into comic stores. And then once I was in the comic store, I saw these other comics. And a lot of, like at first I was checking out the comics that I liked when I was a kid, like some of those old X-Men comics and things like that, <clears throat> uh, just because they were familiar to me. So I picked them up, but then I ended up getting back into current comics, whatever was hot at the time, and that's that's how I ended up spending more money owning comics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, uh, it was because of Transformers, which I'm not very proud to admit. Look, even if it wasn't a great comic... It did one good thing. It brought you back to it. So yeah, it's all yeah. good. But, it's all good. But I just it's all good, baby. I, I just gotta clarify, man. Like those Dreamwave Transformers comics were no good. <laughs> uh, and the, the worst part of it was all the behind the scenes stuff that Dreamwave did and Pat Lee did. Yeah, you know he he, was he a jerk. He ripped people off. He stole money from his his artists and writers. He didn't pay them. Uh, it was just a, a whole cluster. So it's kind of a good thing that they're not around anymore. Yeah. I mean, I thought the art was pretty good. Pat Lee's terrible. <laughs> not, not, not. Maybe like say what you will about the artist. Well, here, here's the or thing: the art. It's, but <laughs> we don't even know if he actually drew all those himself okay. because he had ghost artists that he did not credit and did not pay. <laughs> he a chump. He he was a chump, man. So you thought both arcs were bad? Hey, I, when I when I was a college student buying them, I enjoyed them for what they were, but. So I, I don't. I don't think that's ever something okay. I could revisit. Okay. Yeah. The first arc definitely felt like kind of safe and boring. Yeah. The, the second arc was a little more interesting. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I wasn't gonna say. I don't mean that the the stories were totally horrible, but they did do some good stuff. Like I remember they they had uh, that story by John Nay Reber and Jay Lee, a crossover actually, Transformers GI Joe. I thought that was pretty good. Okay. Huh. Yeah, that was pretty good. Jay Lee good, Pat Lee bad. <laughs> <laughs> Together. Had all the right leads here. Yeah, but no, you're right. It's like the good thing is that it got you back into it, just as like it got me back into it. Exactly. Like, oh, this is whole world that's colorful and fun again. Yeah, yeah. It got me looking around at what was on the racks, and I was drawn to those. I mean, I I was getting into Ultimate Spider-Man and the Ultimates. Yeah, it it basically opened the door for you to kind of get back in, which which is awesome. Yeah. What about you? What was it that got you back into comics? Um, yeah, so, like, I think I was like you guys in that a large part of the reason I stepped away from it was just money. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, I I had to be really smart about how I spent what few dollars that I did have and really comic books, as much as I wanted to continue to buy them, they were just eating up everything. Yeah. So, uh, what I did find, or what I did end up 
uh, or rather what kept me involved in in the world of comics even though i'd sort of stepped away from actually buying anything was uh i had friends who were kind of in the same boat that i was but they were uh my one my one friend in particular shout out to edmund he who is also an artist and you know one of our listeners he he would buy wizards pretty regularly well not not regularly but you know enough you know and the mm-hmm. thing about wizard if if you're a comic collector if you know anything about superhero hype machine it's it's a superhero hype machine but at the same time it's 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 a fanzine basically and it had a little bit it had articles and it had bits of everything and you know i know some people might not think too highly of it but for me it was i guess it was sort of like the cards in the sense that it was my one-stop shop like i could i could continue to be involved in the world of comics without actually being involved and it it kept like again like you said it's it was a hype machine so everything was good (laughs) but there there i do remember specifically that there were some stories and some articles that were especially of interest to me and the the one thing that i think brought me back to comics in a big way was the authority actually because hmm. Wizard was talking yeah. about it, and uh, again, hype machine. But the way they talked about it, I was like, "Oh man, you're saying these guys aren't like regular superheroes, and they just, you know, they take it to them, and they're just, you know, yeah. totally hardcore." Like, granted, my reason for <laughs> collecting those comics was juvenile <laughs> and kind of stupid, but that let's not detract from the fact that. Those are great comics. Those the, are great comics. The Authority is some of the best comics that you can read. One of the most influential comics of the past 17 years. Yeah. Through that. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, it, it was a fortunate... Um, Decision? No, uh, uh, just con- a convergence of events uh-huh. that worked out. Because, like, if they had hyped something that was bad, which they did do and i i you know and i had caught on to that article instead and i had decided what chris claremont is back on excalibur the (laughs) the man the myth the legend (laughs) and i had checked those comics out and that was supposed to be my like or what about todd mcfarlane returning the right spawn (laughs) (laughs) exactly if those things had been the thing or the comics that had like brought me back into comics there's a good chance I would have just been like, this is whack. I'm done with this. <laughs> You'd probably be in more disillusioned Albert than you are now. Exactly. I'd be, I'd, I'd just be totally disillusioned and bitter towards humanity more so. Yeah. It's it's a good thing that it was the authority that got yeah. you back in, man. It's also a good yeah. thing I had a good friend who knew had good taste so I could learn from him. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, friends what friends don't let friends do drugs and friends don't let friends read stupid stuff yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> but um and support your local library kids but, yeah <laughs> but speaking of like things that brought you back to comics also like the idea of like nothing was how, what got you back out of it because in a way i got back i i got back out of comic books but in a different kind of way like i didn't get out of it where i'm like i don't want to read them at all it's more i realized i no longer wanted to even as an adult mm-hmm. keep chasing down single issues that cost four dollars yeah a cover yeah yeah where now sometimes they'll like they'll throw in guest artists or a guest writer because whatever reason the main they just need fill-ins to meet the monthly yeah. schedules or you're not sure what they're going to do with that storyline while the main yeah team is going to be on there like are they going to like throw in some special event in the middle that's going to be just terrible yeah and interrupt your flow and so it became i felt it became more of a gamble for me to like be sure am i really putting money into the stories i want to read and for me i realized i didn't care about the collectability anymore what I wanted was I want to read good stories. Yeah. yeah. Like, I can go to the library and pick up a novel I know people have talked about for years, you know? Yep. But with comic books, it's more fresh. It takes some time for it to be digested, for people yeah. to, like, to wait for the whole story to be actually flushed out by the publisher before you even know. Like, yeah, it was great for the first two issues, and then it There were delays lame. and... Delays and whatever. There was a company-wide crossover. Yeah. <laughs> Or it's like, yeah, they just did this gimmick thing again yeah. that they did, like, last year. Lenticular covers. Yeah. And so, and with graphic novels, it's like, you also don't have to worry about the ads. Yeah. Oftentimes, they're less expensive. And they store better, and they're easier to share with friends, which is yeah. what I found the benefit of, is that 
Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't want to pick up everything, but maybe I'll pick up something my friends don't really want to pick up. Then, you know, like Drew and I might pick up something I don't necessarily want to buy. Mm-hmm. Totally. But I can borrow, yeah. and then we can then from that point decide, like, hey, we this can is share what I with like. one another. Yeah. 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 Because sharing is caring. Totally. Especially when it comes to comics. Yeah. Yeah. It's about the only thing. All right. So thanks for uh, joining us, Shanice, for our episode today. You're welcome, guys. Um, yeah, it was fun having you. Yeah, man. It's always we, a pleasure to share myself. Yeah, I totally. I don't uh, know what that means. Uh, I was just taking it at, <laughs> at face value. I, I read nothing into it and make no assumptions. I'm a degenerate, than, so everything means something to me. This is why I hang with you, Albert. Yeah. Okay, so... Okay. Okay, um, so our PSA is for today. Support your local libraries and Albert's a degenerate. All right. I'm down with that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, <laughs> this is Between the Gutters. I just love talking with you guys, chopping it up about comic books. And for any of you listeners out there, uh, again, uh, we invite you to provide us with any feedback or comments. Or if you just want to give us a shout out, you know, feel free. Our email is betweenthegutterspodcast at gmail.com. And that's spelled correctly. Yes, like, that is spelled and correctly. And all one word. All one word. Yes. No, no unders- underscores or anything. No spaces. So I just want to say thanks to Drew and Albert for inviting me to uh, share my appreciated comic books in this Absolutely. modern world. Yeah. Absolutely. It was fun. Yes. Hopefully you guys listening had fun listening to us. <laughs>